Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. And this is Trav. Welcome to the Tri-Tac Games Podcast. Your podcast of serving our feline masters if they ever get around to stop licking themselves. Hey, while, while we're on the subject of this, I heard something interesting, and I, I have not done like the research, but I've seen it in several places. Um... And I seem to remember it stuck, kind of stuck with me because I seem to remember hearing it on a credible source, although I can't remember what that credible source is now. So you have to do your own digging on this. But it's something to look up to, to try and verify it. And John, you may already know this, maybe. Um, but I've I've read and heard that um, that the cat hiss may be a mimicking of snakes. That the cats may have learned that from snakes to deter um, opponents. So that this would be a, this would be an instinctual thing that they've learned. Yeah, yeah, because they, uh, and it would it wouldn't be the first time that that scientists have have noticed or have documented uh, a mimicked um, pattern in a in a creature from another creature, like the uh, like the octopus that can take all the different shapes of all those you know they can they can turn into like an angel look like an angelfish and one thing and look like a plant and then they turn into something else. Um, that they think that cats may have got picked this up from picked it up from snakes. Well, I found a site in on Animal Planet that they, but they say here they might be. So it, it, they're they're qualifying. Yeah, I'm, saying, I'm saying that that they think they they may they may have gotten this from snakes, which is kind of it's just kind of neat. It's kind of a neat thing that I'd never heard up until just recently. Yeah. Oh, here's a thought that crossed my mind while I was doing while I was reading up things. What do cats call themselves? I mean, but you know, what what, what names do they call themselves? Because I'm reading through this and going, for the most part, the the cat's true name is what is what you can smell. Because that's that's how they, that's how they mark their territory. They're marking their territory with their urine, and and therefore, that's their true name. Trouble is, that's not the, nothing you can put into words. <laughs> You know, so what do cats, you know, when cats, do, obviously when the cats learn to talk, they got to learn how to not, you know, spray each other when they want to say the, say the other person's, you know, say their name or whatever, or you all say their person's name. So they, what name, do, do they keep their human name? Are, are, are you, is he still Mr. Mister Muffins? Or does he take a different name? <laughs> you know, that's, that's, there's a question there. And if they don't, if they're feral cats, they have no name. Yeah, that's my slave name. I don't go by that. <laughs> you want to know what happened to the last guy who called me that? Yeah. Well, yeah, hey, that brings up a dude. That brings up another great point. So, if you've got these cats who've come over and and they were um 
they were, you know, at one time they were, they were, you know, pets. Um, and they've come to Hardwire Hinterland and now they're, you know, they're, they're free as it were, you know, do they, do they resent humans or, you know, what, what kind of opinion do you think they're going to have? Actually, they do. This is actually, we can cite from the book. Cats, uh, see, do, 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 do. cats are no more than five meals from changing their alliance to the person who feeds them. <laughs> so basically, if you're if you're good on good terms with the cat and he gets regular and he gets regular um, regular meals, he's your bestest buddy. <laughs> goes huh. goes five times without. Forget you. <laughs> So he's smarter than most women. So wait a minute. So he's smarter than most humans. Because <laughs> let me tell you something. If if I would draw my loyalty to the only to the people that helped me and and could could cut loose without any regret, the people who don't, I'd be a much better off person. I think. He also says they also can be as loyal as dogs, but would never admit to it. Admit, admit it. So it sounds like they also <laughs> can be. You know. You know, if 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 it's you know, if Mr. Mugglesworth was in was in the was in the RV when you made that left hand turn, Mr. Mugglesworth still with you twenty years later. <laughs> I could be. Yeah. Well, there's no reason to think that they don't have the uh, same kind of uh, uh, aging thing where the de- you know where they regenerate because you know that that would mean that most animals uh, would die as a result of uh, predation or starvation. Uh, rather than uh, old age, but e- even so, uh, uh, people who are in the hinterland they they do age. Uh, it's just it's just very very slowly. See the, the the thing is that the hinterlands have only been around for about two hundred years. Uh, the earliest uh, records they have show that they, there was no people. Uh, now we don't know about animals, you know. People weren't around any more than 200 years ago in the hinterland. Yeah. Well, the, there's a couple. Of people, there, are, there are one or two who claim to be older than that, but that's unsub, unsub, unsubstantiated. Exactly. Yeah. So you can say whatever you want to. I mean, come on. Uh, but the point here is, is that because of the, uh, the 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 amount of time it takes even to to get one year older, uh, someone could be two hundred years and they would still look forty five to fifty years old. Yeah. And that's assuming they started off really old. They started off young, then they would still look young. So. It's, 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 we can't tell that sort of thing, but if animals have the same sort of thing going on, then that means that, uh, they could very well, you know, that the only way to keep their numbers down would be again, through starvation and predation. So that kind of changes things a little bit. Also, they probably do age faster because uh, if you go with, uh, naturally it's cats will live about five years in the five to seven years in the wild. Uh, we're talking like house cats. Uh, bigger cats live much longer, uh, but uh, as of late, cats have been in the at least in the, in, in in the Western worlds have been living up to thirteen years. Normally, I I know I follow a couple of people that have cats, and their cats are hitting seven twenty years. John, John, twenty years is the average for cats. No, really. No, I'm, no, I'm, also, I'm looking at the, as of 2013, the average lifespan is twelve point one years. That's crazy. I've never had. I've never had a cat. That, I've never known anybody who had a cat who lived that, unless they came down with a disease. I'm saying old age. If they died of old age, they were. 
Yeah. Well, they're being taken care well taken care of. Yeah. I mean, the old farm cat will live. Se- the old farm cats lived seven years and died, but now house domesticated house cats live much longer because they're being taken care of. They're getting you know getting that, you know they're getting things. Think also they're living longer because they've been neutered. They don't get testicular ca- cancer. They don't get uh, they don't don't get uh, cancers of the uh, uterine or ovarian cancer. Okay, but they also are getting a good steady supply of taurine and other things that make a big difference. So they, they get better nutrition, they get uh, medical care, their teeth uh, get uh, good care, which means they don't suffer from uh, diseases and, and infections of the mouth. Uh, they're not getting bitten and therefore getting other infections by other animals. Yeah, it's uh, it's all over, you know. And I, I mean, they don't go outside, get caught in the, in in the outside weather, and freeze to death because there was a cold snap. Yeah, but yeah, if you say the upper limit, if the upper limit's in like thirty, say the upper limit's thirty-eight for old cream puff. Yeah, that's way. Uh, yeah, that's way up there. Theoretically, for humans, it's one hundred and twenty years old. No one's ever gotten there yet, but you know, theoretically, it's one hundred twenty years old for humans. So, if you look at if you look at that point of view, they're going they, they're living about one third. No, yeah, call it a quarter. They'll, they'll have the quarter of the lifespan of humans. So there are if there's a two hundred year old cat, he's showing his age. Those are the two reasons that I thought of why cats would not be in charge is because a uh, they telegraph their intentions too well to to be good politicals politicos and now on the other hand I mean there would be very, people might find them trustworthy because they can tell what the cat intends but the other reason that they wouldn't be good was because they don't have the long term uh, planning psychology that's necessary to really rise to the top leaderships. Okay. Does anybody else have a reason why they think that uh, cats wouldn't become the leaders? Well, I mean, okay, we're talking how that that would be true for house cats, but what about uh, animals like tigers, which will spend days hunting something? A tiger, on the other hand, might be well suited for long term planning and stuff like that because they're used to hunting for days sometimes. And now I'm thinking of Disney. I'm I'm think, now thinking of Tailspin's Shere Khan being a businessman. Hold on, wait, wait, wait a minute. Hold up. So tigers, tigers are uh, by generally not not by definition, but but I mean there's essentially a solitary cat. They're a very solitary creature. They're not very social at all. Lions extremely social. Um, cheetahs are not social. Um, I'm trying to think of another cat. Are there any other cats that are social that are actually like specifically social? Because I can see lions as po- politicians. I mean, they would lions would make great politicians. Yeah, but uh, you know, because most of the other most of the other cats, cougars, wild cats, lynxes, they're all more or less solitary hunters. Uh, like I said, the wild. Think about what lions do. Okay, they they live in large communities. They they're actually able to track their members. They fight for hierarchy. Uh, they also do. And this is something you may not think about, but they also do land management and resource management. Um, the 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 male lion, if food gets scarce, he'll chase off younger lions. He'll chase off some of his females. He keeps his numbers as low as they need to be uh, to keep the pride healthy. Um, they also kill off. They'll, they'll hunt down cheetahs to keep them out of their their territory. So the, these guys are they're used to, to like naturally managing resources. So I'm thinking, yeah, I think they would make actually great politicians. Yeah, 
Yeah, they would, and and they would viciously fight, viciously fight off their opponents. Uh, oh, absolutely! Yeah. Fair yeah. means and foul. <sighs> okay, so so you actually hold the different opinion that they would. Uh, they but so the so the reason why they don't would be what, Peter? The reason why? Oh, why they they don't? Yeah. Um. Well, because all right. So they're a kind of minority. I mean, as in the cat world. Uh, I can't. I mean, I, I for the life of me, I can't think of any other cat species that that does that or or is that to that level. So they would be rare, and being rare, they're outnumbered, you know, by people who would who would be. A, I mean, if you were say you're living in, I'm going to use Little Texas because I know that one off the top of my head. So let's say you're living in Little Texas, and you know the lion decides he's going to run for governor, right? The one the one lion in the area. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be big and muscular and powerful. Uh, he's, he's cunning. Um, you know, he, he's determined. Um, he's probably going to get killed by his human competitors. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of is because just, just because they'd be outnumbered and scared of much like in, you know, it's survivor. You, you ever watch the show survivor? It's, it's not always the best survivor that wins. You know, most of the time it isn't because they'll feel intimidated by that best survivor. I think this 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 lion running for office would be way too, um, maybe way too good for that position for the for the humans to allow that. Now th- that being said, he is cunning, so there's no reason why he couldn't do it if he played it strategically. He might not want to. But he might not want to. Yeah. That cats only socialize well with humans if they've had interactions when they're very small as kittens within like the first six weeks. If they don't have strong interactions with humans during that time, they basically they'll, they'll live with humans, but they won't interact with them. And it could be that that uh, these lions and these other ones you say, which might be constitutionally even mentally capable of, of doing well in human society, just might not like human society enough to to do the work to become the the, the head of them. That is a good point. Also, the male lion is notorious for being, well, the laziest one in the pride. Well, yeah, usually the male the male sits back and the females do all the damn hunting, yeah. It might actually be a female lion who might, who might consider running for, for governor rather than the male lion, though he would be, definitely benefit from it. Uh, also, they would be into polygamous marriages, too. <laughs> okay. So... So, uh, so maybe their uh, polyandrous uh, relationships might rub human, the average human society, the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Also, because females are, and because female lions, just like uh, the the, the Felis catus, are as you said, was it polyestrous or was it poly? They're called super fecund. Yeah. So yes, they could actually have more than one father. Yeah, and we know how much people like that in human society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the best one of the best ways of getting rid of a politician is, and he's had five children by six different women. Wait. <laughs> yeah, I know the math. The math was wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Traded. Okay. Like halfway through, enough with this kid. You carry him for a while. Oh, and also, and as we said, you know, because they also they have a gestation rate of 110 days, and the females basically don't give have kids until the kids are old enough. Uh, so yeah, they're they, they're not the they're not the three times a year breeders that that house cats are. 
So that's another reason why there they wouldn't be there wouldn't be very many of them out there. Well, so so we you would expect that there might be some in in human society as you know holding these positions of power, but they wouldn't actually. But cats themselves, their species, wouldn't rule over humans unless you know they they literally were like a mil a military kind of uh, of thing we you'd go to a environ where the cats literally the cats were king and if there were any humans there they were working as as uh, uh well working as helper helpers and servants and things like that right yep but you wouldn't see you wouldn't see them taking over an existing human society as we know them yeah but you know if you if you were to find a place like that then you'd do an airdrop of card large cardboard boxes and then approach the island with laser pointers and uh <laughs> yeah i was waiting for a laser pointer joke to come in here somewhere <laughs> and the thing is it works yeah i just saw a video on on facebook where they actually they had a cat and they had a lion and they gave both of them a, a cardboard box and they both acted exactly the same way yeah <laughs> and there's the and there's the other vice catnip it works on all. It works on majority of cats. Now, some, you know, in fact, as far as we can tell, catnip works in cats of all kinds. Uh huh. It's it, it basically has the same effect as marijuana. Well, I think we just found out. I think we just found our answer why cats aren't ruling because humans control the catnip, and you know what they say: the first try is always free. Uh. <laughs> no, no. If there, if there was a if there was an environment with cats in there, I would see you have the equivalent of the opium wars, where you know we give you high grade high grade catnip, you know, and in ex- exchange for us more or less ruling the island. <laughs> can, can you see it now? This lion sitting behind a large desk. He says, "So you hear about the nip?" <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to watch one cat. He's all nipped out. It's horrible. He's there late right. in the alley, just you know, tapping it inside of it. He's got the yip nip <laughs> or the nip yip. All right. Well, to segue a little bit laterally here. Okay. So we, we I think we've established that cats uh, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't take over human society for a variety of reasons. But there's lots of other animals with a capital A. And dogs are 75% chance of being intelligent. Therefore, you know, and they are much better to, uh, socialized with humans. And they're much more useful. Well, it's that pack mentality. Right, right, and see, and they also would would be, uh, you know, I've if you don't make sure a dog knows that he is the lowest member of the pack in a family, that you know, that's something the families always have to do is make sure the dogs knows that they're like lower down than the kids. The dog will start bossing the kids around. Yeah. Okay. So we would expect the intelligent dogs might start becoming a little bit more packish leader of the pack kind of thing. So my question is, is that, uh, you know, uh, again, we, it's kind of a, a conceit here that we're saying that humans are the, the, the grand rulers of, of, and we're coming up with reasons why humans, uh, you know, uh, are, are Uber, uh, than, than these other animals, but knowing that there's all these animals out there that are intelligent, uh, and can have their own agendas and uh, and can operate in uh, secret. Do, 
do you think there's any uh, if you were living in the hinterlands okay is there any kind of do you do you feel that you would be safe that you could walk around with the pride of the englishman or do you think that maybe you'd have to be a little bit wary of all these animals that are all around now that you know that some of them could be intelligent well that'd be the thing i'd be walking around sitting there every time i'd go down a street and I'd see a dog walking down the street or a cat or, wait a minute, let me check out like the, the ratio for birds here. Well, crows, let's see, 10%. And parrots and pigeons, 10% pigeons, 70% parrots. Ducks, 30%. Chickens, 10%. Okay, I'm not seeing birds being a really big, but let, dogs, cats. Yeah. Ducks are 30, which means that like one out of every four of them at least are, is going to be uh, intelligent. By the way, go to YouTube and look up Full Metal Disney or Pulp Disney to find, you know, Donald Duck doing voices. And those. Um, I would still be, if I was a human walking down, let's say, New Akron's main boulevard, and I see a dog walking down the street or a cat somewhere, I'd be kind of wondering, okay, what's going through their mind right now? Yeah, I'd be feeling more than a little leery. I wouldn't be in mortal fear, but I'd be a little leery thinking, is this cat thinking that it's going to follow me home and, you know, my spine's going to end up being its scratching post or something? You know, just, I would be more than a little leery with that because we're used to being here on Earth that we are at the top of the food chain because we are the intelligent ones. We go to this place now, and all of a sudden we're finding out we're not the only ones with the big, powerful brains. Yeah, you, you, chuck, you chuck a rock at a squirrel, and you may find out that you're in big trouble. Hey, I just, I just had a thought. So it's just basically from what Trav was saying there. What if the guy, you know, because people can come from any time zone, right? Yeah. Can you imagine how confusing it would be if you're talking to some... Some guy from the 50s, and he's like, yeah, so these cats come up on me. Were they cats? Like cats? Or are you saying uh, some guys? No, these cats, you know, like this, this cat wearing a hat. Was he? Did he have fur and ears? Or are you just talking about some dude who was like, <laughs> you know uh, I, I, get, I get you now. It took me a second <laughs> to figure out what you're talking about. You, know, you, you need to do a better Sammy Davis impression. <laughs> oh, he, these cats, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's the candy man, man. Welcome to Street. You, you, you more often, like, if you've been there for more than a year, I would say a person would come walk down the street and sees a dog walking down the road. He goes, morning, and expecting the dog to say, yep, morning. Um, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> Three out of four chance, yeah. Yeah. I, I was just thinking of if if, if you want to see a society how how is its potential to, you know sentient dogs would operate. Think of the pack in Up. You know Doug and the and the and the, and the Doberman Pitcher and all of those talking collars. That more or less was a sentient culture of dogs, and they were very very pack centered. We we know that anybody who's intelligent, if they try to speak to you. Uh, and if they have a language of some kind, then you're going to be able to understand them. So, uh, you know, a dog, a sentient dog might just go bark, might just bark at you in a, in a way that says, you know, you know, Hey, or good morning. 
okay? Uh, or you could actually understand it as good morning. So, uh, in the, or they might actually speak it in in, in, a, in a real language that they have lips and, and a tongue that can actually form those those things. So, l communication between animals uh, uh, and humans could doesn't actually have to mean that they have the ability to use human speech. So it's uh, you know they don't have to have that little thing on their neck. That pack of dogs that you're talking about from up could very well just all be barking at you. You'd be like, yeah, yeah. And he did what? Oh yeah. That was, you know, or <laughs> that's hilarious. I mean, jokes, I don't know. Do they translate well between, <laughs> between species and languages? I assume they do, you know, as, especially if you have some good body language with it. Yeah, and don't forget, every so often when you're with that pack of dogs, also they all stop and turn and go, Squirrel! <laughs> and the squirrel goes, Up yours! <laughs> yeah, and, and the squirrels all get together and pelt them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if it's not the squirrels, certainly the raccoons do. Yeah, I, I see skunks at 5%. You know, Hello, pink rabbit! I'm here! <laughs> See, I really see skunks as being used by the uh, uh, the the senior side of society. Oh uh, dear, they have built. They have. Uh, uh, it, it would be very bad if you know something were bad to happen to your uh, your business place of business, wagging his tail. Yes, exactly. You know, or just raising it high, raising it high. The skunk. Yes, I, I could definitely see skunks as being extortionists. It would be it would be like a slam dunk for them. Okay, so yep, yeah, I mean Peter, I, I agree. I think that you know you go walking down the street and you would no longer see animals on the street as being just part of the scenery. It would literally be like walking into uh, a strange city and being surrounded by all kinds of people that that speak in a language that you may not understand or at least have a completely different culture. It'd be like uh, a, a, a Greek walking into an Italian neighborhood. Okay. Not, not that there's anything bad about that, but I'm just saying is that you'd set, you'd realize that there's all these different groups and they all have their different agendas and you know, it would take a while. That'd be part of the weirdness of the, of the hinterland that you'd have to get over uh, when you first came there, just that that no matter where you go, you know you could not. It's quite possible you wouldn't be alone. Yeah, isn't it? I can't remember. Was there was there some sort of of a mental affliction that, would, that occurs very rarely to some people who basically just can't take it? I thought there was. Yeah, yeah it's called the quiet ones. Oh yes, the quiet ones. Yeah. I guess okay, but it's a small, it's a it's a minority, right? Because I think I was reading that people just seem to kind of accept the uh, the hinterland. Yeah, they do. Like no matter what the shock is, it generally tends to like phase out. Like there's some magical property about the place that people seem to be okay with it. It wears it wears down after a while. Oh, where the heck did you come from? <laughs> you like sniped me. <laughs> Well, I mean, also remember that the the people select you know uh, select themselves to various environs that you know they'll that they'll feel more comfortable at. So there there is a kind of a winnowing process that they go through. If they don't like 
one place they're at, they can always go somewhere else. It's only places like Anson's Kingdom where they might be slaves that, you know, there's a real problem about moving around. Yeah. Uh, I can see horses not liking their lot in life. I mean, you know. I mean, they're horses. Unless they go, unless they go fully, fully anthropomorphic, they're horses. And what do you do? They carry things, so they become well beasts of burdens. They get paid for it, but still. Well, I don't see the downside there. So, uh, I mean, they would tend toward the, as you say, the laboring side of jaws because they're physically designed that way. But uh, you know, that doesn't mean that they could enjoy themselves. Well, I'm talking about ones that in places like Anson's Kingdom. Where they are literally beast of burdens, and they're barely getting paid. Well, yeah, in places like that, there's a problem. But I'm saying, but overall, in general, I think that horses probably do very well for themselves because they're big enough that if someone mistreats them, they can take it out on them, and they can defend themselves because they can talk, okay, and and say this is what happened, and hey, the you know the the raccoon over there will back me up, and the dog will you know. <laughs> I mean, you, you got you, you got people there who might you know won't necessarily back up the humans because uh, and we we know that the uh, uh, from some of the descriptions of some of the environs that horses actually do very well, uh, but they do have a tendency still to be treated as um, uh, well as slaves. They still they're still bought and sold. They're not necessarily treated as being uh, emancipated. So yeah, there, there's there is that aspect of it. Are you sure they don't emancipate or find their own place? I think they do, Richard. I just I, in some cases, uh, I'm just saying is that it, it, from the descriptions that you have about horses in the most of the locations they're at. Uh, some of them are emancipated and, and, and are well paid, but then you also have, say, that there's ranches where they raise them, and if they're doing that, then they're obviously selling them, or they have to at least be considered to be um, under some kind of an, an indentured servitude where they have to pay back their, their owners and their raisers for the investments that they made in them. Horses would be great in farming, keeping weeds down, Helping with the crops. Yeah. Uh, I was going to mention that when I ran my hardwood hinterland, the, the best place to get a steak was the place run by a steer. Okay. Uh, you know, they, there's, there's something deeply troubling about that. They're not intelligent. They're animals. Was it called Millaways? Uh, but also there's a bed and breakfast run by, run by a chicken. You know, he says, "Don't worry. There's no one. There's no one you know when he serves you breakfast." <laughs> okay. Yeah, wow. that, there, that's a whole other thing we haven't really talked about, and that's really outside the scope of this particular show. But okay, so are there any other uh, races of animals that you think that uh, that humans should keep have a keep a at least a slight uh, a slightly eye out for that they might have a tendency to to uh they, they might sooner or later decide to try to take over mm. yeah the great apes chimps from what you wrote richard sound like they have a a problem with um uh impulse control because uh anytime they run into a non-intelligent chimp out comes a gun and they get shot dead 
Bruce, I had a year of primatology. It fits them perfectly. Orangs are great. Gorillas are more like human than anybody believes. And chimps, I could do without. It's the poo. It's the poo, Rich, isn't it? It's the poo. <laughs> no, no, no. They're, they're, they're honoring nasty things, and they will rip your arm out. Oh, yeah, they are. They are actually oh, chimps, they're yeah. quite chimps, violent. Yeah. Orangs yeah, what... are more like people, and they, they will sit with you. They will do gestures with you. They're gentle. And gorillas are just, if you watch them long enough, you realize they're in family groups, and they do exactly what people do. So why did you say that uh, uh, the chimps made good engineers? Um, depends on how many beers I've probably had. No, um, uh, we had to do something <laughs> for people who like chimps or would like to play on that kind. Of so it was, all right. So it was just a way of getting them into the game so that they would have a reason to be hanging around with humans. Okay. Well, that's fine. I personally, any chimpanzee that showed up on my doorstep, basically uh, an adult and wild, I have a shotgun. That's huh. how much you've grown. <laughs> you, you can dislike chimpanzees after dealing with them. Wow. Yeah, you only shoot them, but, but uh, you, you shoot them only when they really deserve it. Is that right, Richard? Well, when they rip your arm off, you should. The only good chip is a dead chimp for you, Richard, right? It's a dead chimp. <laughs> At the cop that the chimp chased back to the squad car, how many rounds did he put in that chimp? <laughs> Regardless, I mean, you know, you, you talk to a forest ranger and, and he'll say, yeah, you know, some person did something stupid and so now we have to go kill the bear. And the, and the bear was just acting normally, and the, the people really were the ones who deserved it. But no, we can't kill the person for being for being stupid. So now I got to go kill the bear. Well, you remember Michael Jackson? He had that back in the late eighties, early nineties. He had his pet chip Bubbles, and then just one day Bubbles just up and attacked him. And I mean, Michael was okay, but they had to put that chimp down. And they brought in another chimp as Bubbles for a while, but after a while, you just didn't hear about Bubbles anymore. And you know his PR guys were just going, yeah, giving him a chimp was a bad idea considering how temperamental they are. Yeah, we'll just sort of phase that out. During my game, uh, one of the main features they ran it, one of the characters was a wrestler. I said, I have a wrestler. You know what? They're at Wanga. They're gonna go to the to the to the to one of the islands where the, where the great apes are out. And there's a wrestling, and they have a um a no he was a wrestler he was a he was a boxer, and they have a basically a no holds barred contest against the champ who was an orangutan. And yeah, I ran I ran that one with with uh, with with three NPCs. All of whom had bones broken, legs snapped. One guy even had it, had this had the bone sticking out of his leg at the end of the thing. Uh, and then, of course, the the player character got involved. Being player character, he actually won, but he won with a broken arm and a shattered shattered collarbone. Yeah. And if you do want to hear this particular uh, uh, activity, it is actually on one of the episodes of the Sunday Skypers because I've heard it. So. You can see the great apes forming together a society, especially places like Etiwongo. They have all these islands where they more or less take over and run things. You know, the natives show up, they get beaten up and sent back. You know, <laughs> don't bother us, we won't bother you. You damn dirty apes. 
Yeah, but the thing is, you know, that's why I like the the new Planet of the Apes movies. They got the right they got the right people, be, you know, the right kind of apes, being the the nasty, brutish, you know, guns. the chimps. Oh, it was wonderful that movie. I we we went to see it a couple of weeks ago, and it was absolutely marvelous. Both of them. We watched one, yeah. and then we immediately went to the yeah. second one. And you know, there's uh, going like to be a third. Yeah, I gotta watch that. I haven't seen that yet. And and what did they name the the uh, the orangutan? Maurice. And that only makes sense if you know who played Doctor Zayas. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> that, oh, that there was, was a lot of that in the movie. If you looked at details back and forth, and uh, some of the building names, it was it was everywhere. Okay. Well, you know, you know, they they plan to do they plan to do the the original movie because in in the very first movie, there it was the space trip. <laughs> Even with the same ship style, the same ship design, you know. So yeah, they they they, they have plans for some future movie where they could, where they where it's you know Charlton Heston movie, the first Charlton Heston movie. Are you talking about that Mark Wahlberg movie? No, no, not that, not that, not that. Okay, so that's not considered part of the canon like the the last two. Well, there's three canon. I mean, there's the Charlton Heston Planet of the Apes with Roddy McDowell ones, which had a whole circular time arc. Then you had that one with Mark Wahlberg, and then you had these two that came out with uh, uh, Planet of the Apes and Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Okay. Actually, Bruce, there's actually two more. There's the TV series, which was different from the movies, and there's the animated series, which was, and the animated series was also was radically different from the movie. Okay, okay. I, I, you're right. I did. I had forgotten about that one, but I thought that they were pretty much taking their uh, um, uh, most of their mythology or whatever off of the Charlton Heston series in the TV series. But okay, but that aside. Okay, so it sounds to me like what you guys are saying... I got called Bruce. What? This is important. There's another one. There's the original 30-minute prototype that Heston shot with... Um, oh, my God. He was a um, very famous Hollywood actor. The, uh, the old gangster. Um, he was in Soylent Green. The old man. Yeah. Uh- Edward G. Robinson. See here, see. Nah, see. Apes, see. Nah. So your poo, huh? <laughs> uh, so they did a they did a short. You're saying a short before they actually pitched the movie and got the movie. And it was Heston who actually funded it. And uh, the apes were a little more advanced. The makeup was a little less than they got. They finally finally settled on. Okay, is that particular short available somewhere? I don't know. I saw it, I saw it on a, uh, a, a small screen in Chicago, and uh, I was just floored when I saw the quality of it. And Heston talking to Dr., uh, you know, basically the two uh, doctors. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was excellent. It was, it was, it was, it was jaw-dropping. But that, as far as I know, unless it was I want the discs, the, on the releases, uh, if it came out there. Here we go. I found it. It's actually only it's only like eight minutes long, nine minutes long. It's a proof of concept. It's, 
Uh, it, it's on YouTube. It's it's only uh, only nine minutes long. But actually, there's, there's of course one more. The original novel. It's, it's uh, actually the original novel is closer to the Mark Wahlberg movie than it is to the uh, to to the uh, Charlton Heston or other movies. So you're right. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yes, Pierre Buell. Yeah, th- which had a phenomenal ending too. Yep. Well, it was pretty. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty obvious after seeing the Charlton Heston movie what was going to happen when they came back with the spaceship. But yeah, okay. I mean, basically, you're right. It was very much like the Mark Wahlberg movie, uh, the 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 original uh, uh, French novel, Planet of the Apes. Sure. Only better. Uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, that's true. I he mean, went to. He, he he did go to a real planet that wasn't that that wasn't Earth. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. But there's a lot of other things to it. I mean, you know, let's, it, it was obviously, you know, being done and off, they, they made a lot of, of, uh, jokes that were, you know, obviously designed for, uh, they were pandering to the audience rather than trying to be good science fiction. But I'm just saying is they, they, you know, I thought that their society that they created was good. I thought, you know, that a lot of the things that they did made a lot more sense. So rather than all the humans not being able to talk and all of a sudden they could, you know, it's just that, you know, that was, which was what was in the original Charlton Heston one. So actually, th- actually thinking about it, actually it's followed the TV series sort of follows the last Planet of the Apes movies where they actually changed time a little bit. If you think about it, it didn't follow the same plan that happened in the, in, in the, you know, as the history is, was, was, was revealed, the humans and apes lived together in the, at the end of the last movie of the, of the Hisson, of the Hisson McDowell series. Uh, it was a different, right. it was a, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, John, uh, as far as the television series is concerned, I only saw like two episodes of it. I don't remember it very well at all, so I can't really speak to it. Okay, but anyways, uh, back to back to our topic. Uh, it, from a lot of the things that you guys have said, it sounds to me like um, one of the reasons that we don't see um, animals taking over human society is that when animals actually form societies, they tend to form them separate from human societies. The hinterlands is a big place. Most of, if you look at any of the, it's not like you go to a hinterland and ninety percent of the of that particular environ. I'm sorry, I go to an environ and ninety percent of the environ is under cultivation. I mean, and people are like just you know lined like suburbs from one end to the other. You usually have a very small, uh, small settlements and lots of wide open space around them. And, and it's almost like the Old West where if you could see your neighbor's uh, uh, smoke from their, their fire, their, their smokestack, uh, it was time to move somewhere else. So it's, there's, it seems like there's plenty of room for societies of animals to, cut, to be in existence without ever trying to take over um, another animal's society, whether, whether it's human or any other. And if that's the case... Then that's a that's an opportunity for the GMs to start thinking about having their players walk into a village of whatever. Yeah, or like I had in one game around a con, they landed by a Tim Hortons out in the middle of the Canadian desert, out in the middle of the Canadian wilderness, that was lived in by a grizzly bear, a brown bear, and a moose. 
they all were living together, and you know, and they were friends. And you know what? I hope the donuts were better than the ones we get in Michigan. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, well, see, that's the sort of thing that we, the way we we pretty much are doing it in the hardware hinterland, where you, you might see like an animal budding up with another animal, but that's not a society, okay? I think that when you see a society, uh, even the human societies, like I said, we don't really talk about how. I mean, Richard mentions it every once in a while that there's a you know that, that the horses do all the you know the the, the run the 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 livery stables or somebody does this or that so. There are animals in human society, but they're, a, they're, they're always described as being a minority, okay, v- rather than a majority. And that's probably going to be true if an animals get together and form a society, if they're the kind of animal that, cr- that, that does create a society, or if they just choose as intelligent animals to create a society, that if there are humans or other animals, they're going to be a vast minority inside the larger uh, ma- uh, majority of the populace, I think. Anybody else have a different opinion? No. Well, as long as we don't yeah. end up with George Orwell's our animal farm. You could. Well, every animal had a job, right? Actually, Richard, we asked a question earlier on, and because you weren't here, we, we didn't have an absolute answer for it. Do Animals with a small a breed normally, or do they breed at a lower rate? Probably they breed normally. Okay, so do animals with a capital A breed normally? Yes, but the attrition rate on the young would be much lower. Also, as we pointed out, because they're intelligent, they may actually decide not to breed all the time like they like they would normally if they were unintelligent. So, still, they 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 can outbreed humans if they really wanted to. Well, if they were well, if they breed at a normal rate, Richard, like we were talking about cats. Where cats basically have three litters a, a year with uh, with like four to six kits in each one, uh, and humans have one five hundredth of the normal reproduction rate, they would easily outbreed us without even trying, without even intending to. Cats, mice, rodents, but they're ninety eight percent chance of being uh, intelligent. Which the cats? Yes. Well, cats would be smart about that. Do you want? huge numbers of cats on welfare? My desires is of a human. How would that have to do with whether the cat wanted to have kittens or not? It wouldn't. It's the cat's decision. Right. Okay. Well, if it's, if they're, so you're saying the cats intel because they're intelligent, they, they self limit the reproduction. In the 20th century, most advanced cultures begin to drop in population. The Japanese are dropping, uh, Europeans, Americans. So you're saying that animals with an A uh, automatically search for a, a, a higher standard of living and therefore will limit their reproduction to achieve it? And isn't that the most logical answer? That's not the way the world works. But but yes, 
Okay. I mean, we have people who are very, I mean, most of the uh, people in the world have about the same intelligence and we have lots of people who don't do that. You know, it's uh, unfortunately, but we all have the same intelligence. We just don't have the same or an equal education. But anyways, I think I think it'd be great if that was true, Richard. That that animals, once they uh, if they are intelligent, would uh, would would wisely limit their reproduction, uh, so that they their their kit their, their offspring, uh, their litters or whatever would be have the best chances of becoming successful and um, prosperous. Well, I would think also because you're wanting them. Let's say the couple decides, okay, we, you know, having, they would decide that having a large amount of kids, that's that much more resources they have to try to work to get. If they only have one or two kids, they're not going out having to get as much resources to feed their kids, as opposed to, you know, a couple of capital letter animals having, you know, like 15 a litter of, you know, 10 and having to take care of them all. It's just a matter of resource allocation. Or you just it's, kick them out and say, go fend for yourself, buddy. Well. Yeah, I mean, but do they mature? Do they do, okay, when intelligent animals breed, because it says right here, they do not breed intelligent animals in any different numbers. So 98% of the, of the kits are going to be intelligent. You know, I also wondering, because we, we talk about the, there is that anthropomorphic, Anthropomorphication that goes on. So I'm I, I'm a uh, I, I I am a anthropomorphic cat. Are my kits anthropomorphic? Again, that's up to the GM. I, there, I think that there's there's every reason to think that a, a, a anthropomorphic cat would produce kittens that are just the standard type, or and and, and some other ones too. I mean, it's and that's another that that's another weird thing about you know since we have these. The, the, the choice to have a sentient or a non-sentient animal. And I mean, I, this is nothing you can role-play, it's just something to think about. Let's say you're a normal animal and you come, you're, you're here in the hinterlands, and all of a sudden you have this, this progeny that is far smarter than you. And it can do all this stuff, and I mean, you're, you would just have no way to relate to it. It would be weird if you were just a normal cat or a dog or whatever, and all of a sudden you have this, this you know that your 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 kitten or your puppy that is you know doing stuff that the humans are doing. They had a Family Guy episode where Brian was talking about you know being with his mom at the puppy farm and stuff, and how she was sweet, but you know there wasn't a whole, there wasn't a whole lot there. <laughs> yeah, well, the same thing. Let's say you're an intelligent cat. And you have a kitten, and it's one of the two percent. So you got to sit there and deal with, you know, if, if let's say the last ten generations of your family have been intelligent, and all of a sudden you have a normal cat as a kid. Oh, the shame! Yeah, yeah. You, it's <laughs> like, it's like, what will the other neighbors think that I have, you know, that, you know my kid isn't, you know, quite as, you know, yeah. That, that just something comes up. What was that, Rich? I'm trying to remember. I can see a warning sign at the end of the block with a, with a small A that says animal in neighborhood. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Actually, what's 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 the maturity rate for cats? How fast do they mature? A year, two, couple. Usually, one to three years. One to three years become sexually active, but they're able to feed themselves and take care of themselves within six months. Yeah. So, so is it any different for intelligent uh, animals that they mature the same rate, or do they? I might think it might be a little slower. So they may actually have a more normal childhood, more human-style childhood. Maybe that be as long, but it'll be longer, longer than with the their, you know, the the two percent or for dogs, the fourth puppy of every litter. Yeah. Well, there's another thing as far as limiting their reproduction, and that is, is that there's an awful lot of animal lovers out there. And I'm and I'm. And I and I mean that. Okay, so it's uh, it's possible that um, animals might find uh, at least in in that they there's a lot of cross species uh, type behavior uh, coupling or at least you know association which might limit the actual uh, number of opportunities they have to uh, be impregnated by one of their own species, and that could reduce the numbers quite a bit wait a minute so you're talking actual you know like okay yeah so Dog, something... dogs and cats living together mass hysteria yeah <laughs> okay well i mean you see people who just absolutely love their cats and absolutely love their dogs okay and and if they're humiform or even not i mean it's you know it's there's there's a very strange aspect to, to hardware hater land that's not in the books at all. But if you think about it, that it's implied, and it would be something of mature right. gamer nature. We'll leave it at right. But the point is, is that you could form an actually equivalent relationship. You know, a a a mature relationship, not only uh, a meeting of minds as well as bodies with an animal with a capital A. That that we only hypothesize and and uh, and and write about in stories and stuff like that. I mean, you know, the the best example being Beauty and the Beast TV series, okay, where it turned out that they actually could reproduce with each other. But the fact is that you had a, someone who was essentially a lion in a, a human form lion who was of a, a very sensitive soul and was able to make a connection with a human female, and she was happier with him. Uh, from a romantic standpoint, in every, in every other way than she was with a flesh and blood man. I'm I'm sorry. If I were a person in the hinterlands and I go to somebody's house and yeah, let me go bring on my wife, and it's a it's an animal with a capital A, it would be this. Just excuse me, what you know? Just there. As I said, this would be a topic that you would have to have mature gamers do, and I mean if. Well, we talked about that too. That it would, I would call it a three-letter word: yuck. Well, yeah, we we talked about this on another episode where we basically thought that, and, and Peter, you were the one who was advocating this. You said that essentially that you know, we are hardwired enough that the people who would want to do that would actually be very rare, and so it really it, it's really kind of more of a blip in society rather than something that's. A factor. They would be the ones living out in the middle of the forest. It's like, yeah, we had to live out here. <laughs> as, as John Cleese once said, animal lovers, please stop. What you're doing is illegal and immoral. 
boy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but those weren't animals with a capital A. No. But for some people, it makes no difference. For some people, it won't make any difference. Yeah, well, okay. We're, we're not talking about that. I, that gives yeah. a whole new meaning to the word, my wife is a real deer. Oh. 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 Okay, I think we've crossed out of TriTac boundaries on this. All right. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, so I think we've answered our question, which was, you know, if animals are so intelligent, why aren't they in charge? Um, and it is a possibility that you could have uh, run across animal societies where humans were in them and the humans were in a subservient nature, but it sounds like, you know, even beyond the conceit of, you know, humans being the, the greatest that seems to be in most games that have, uh, humiform animals of various types or intelligent species. Uh, the, uh, the, the mixing, uh, seems to be something where whatever has the larger population, uh, uh, or at least the larger population that has a social structure seems to be the one that stays in charge no matter you know what what the situation is. So uh, there's a lot of reasons why one animal might be better fitted for certain jobs and not and not all animals would certainly be well suited to be in a leadership position in any in a human society. Uh, there's some physiological issues uh, that we talked about, and of course the the fact that in this particular case, uh, cats make terrible liars. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and and as we all know, everybody lies, right? The television show Lie to Me, everybody lies, so therefore they just wouldn't fit well in human society. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk about strange topics like this. Uh, in the future, as we go into our sixth year, uh, this is our first, you know, our first recording of the sixth year, and we appreciate all the support that all of our listeners have given. And we don't know how much longer uh, we're going to be able to do this without you sending in ideas. But you know, check back next week and see what else we got for you. But until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying. There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tohoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.